Hello, it's your host, Kat Walsh, and you're listening to another episode of Trip On This. This podcast is for mature audiences and is not suitable for young children. Trip On This is intended for entertainment purposes only, and we do not condone the use of illegal substances. Enjoy the show. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Trip On This. It's your host, Kat, and I am so excited to present this next episode with my guest, Kelly Tennant. Kelly is the host of the Top 50s podcast, The Kelly Show. Kelly had first started out as a TV host, playing by the rules, playing in a man's world, and eventually she's like, bye, Felicia, and she is on a mission to break all of the quote-unquote norms, the things that we're supposed to do, the way that we're supposed to act, to really fully step into one's own self-expression. We talk about really the merger between psychedelics and spirituality and sexuality on this episode. We talk about some of her experiences, how she stepped into this fully embodied self. She is very open about her sexuality and saying her truth. And I just really want to know, how what did it take to step into this level of confidence. And psychedelics were a big part of that. As she says in this episode, for her, her psychedelic experiences were like adding little pieces to a puzzle that were missing. And she was better, she was able to better fully understand herself after her psychedelic experiences. This episode is sexy. It's fun. We've got great banter. I hope you all enjoy it few things before the episode begins. If you're not following me on socials, please do so. I'll link it all in the copy of this episode. If you're enjoying this episode or the show, please like it, rate it, subscribe. It is all incredibly helpful to help me grow it and share this message with the world. And with that, please enjoy this next episode with Kelly Tennant. Kelly, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to Trip on This. Oh, thank you for having me, Kat. It's so great to meet you. It's so, you know, the first time you came on my radar, I actually didn't know kind of what your vibe was and what you stood behind, but I was immediately drawn to just you, your, I don't know, there was a level of truth in your voice and like an invitation to be your friend the minute I heard you. And I remember just as somebody who's in this world of podcasting, I thought, wow, she's got a, there's just something so incredibly inviting about you. And then I started to this kind of merger between spirituality and sexual liberation and expressing yourself fully. And I'm so on this journey myself, so far from it. I'm very much on the journey and I just was so drawn to wanting to speak with you. So thank you for being thank here. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot to me. I appreciate it. And you know what? It's really funny that you say that I'm inviting because... <laughs> When I was, especially in high school, I, I was six one at 12. So I was always really tall uh -huh. and I was a really good athlete and I was one of the best students and, you know, like the perfect kid. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't really lend itself to friends and people liking you when you're young. <laughs> and I, I had a lot of social anxiety and I would walk. I remember someone brought this up to me because I didn't even notice I was doing it, but I would always walk looking down at the ground because I didn't want anyone to see me. And I thought everyone wouldn't like me. And it's so funny to have been that girl probably from like 13 to 21 to now be 33 
And to just be so aware of that, of how we protect ourselves and keep ourselves from connection because we had someone bully us or people didn't accept us. And so then we we become super protected and we hold ourselves back. And thank you for saying that because I always want people to feel welcome and invited around me. And it's just been such a conscious journey of getting to a point where I can hold my head high and I can be really honest and welcome people into this space so that they feel safe too, to be themselves. Yeah, it really, the work shows. It does because that was just my initial instinct. And I'm somebody who pays attention to people. I just like to, I like people. I'm like, I'm actually, one. you know, everybody's like, I'm truly a people person when I spot just a level of like, I, if I can see myself in someone, it's not because it's, it's from a place of, because I try to show up that way as well. And I was like, there's, yeah, it just, I was immediately, and I love the fact that by the way, that you're tall, I've noticed a lot of tall people, especially when they're young, do especially growing up, because I was actually on the taller side to only five, eight, but like would hunch a little bit more, would look down on the ground. There was this interesting juxtaposition that I've seen with tall women, particularly maybe because they were taller than like the boys at that age. Yeah. And to like really step into that and be like, by the way, being six one is bomb and you're beautiful. And like, I'm sure the just coming into yourself has been the journey. Yeah. Well, and I think it speaks to this larger conversation of wanting to be accepted and fit in. And if there's anything different about you, whether you're tall or you have, you know, different color hair, or, I mean, it could be anything. We want to dim that part of ourselves because that's not what is socially acceptable often. And I think we have to go through those awkward years of not knowing where we fit or how we fit, or do we even want to fit? Do we need to fit? Is that necessary? And that's where I've gotten now. I'm sure you feel the same way. It's like, I want to have my community of people but I also don't want to conform just to fit in. I don't want to play small so that you will like me. You'll either like me or you don't, and that's okay. I don't want to have to change, but I think we have to go through those moments to have those awarenesses. Absolutely. It's interesting. I I, I feel like I'm on that. And yet I just recently, I would say maybe a year and a half ago when the world was still open, but right before I had gone out and I was, I was with a friend of mine. I love to dance. I love house music. And I would notice this thing that I would do is I would dress up, you know, I'd wear sexy outfits, but I would always dance with my eyes down and Mm. I would walk through with my eyes down because there was something so it's almost like I was in such a state of joy that I was almost like protecting it and not wanting to, I don't know. It's like if I, especially like if, if there was like guys around this and that, I didn't want it to get confused. And suddenly I was like dimming my personal experience of it because I was nervous about how it was going to come off to others. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, why talk about conflict? I was like, you've, you've dressed up cat. You've done a whole thing. And yet like, why are you doing that? And it was only her. She's the one I said, I, I said it to her actually, for whatever reason, obviously no accidents. Right. And she said, your uh, sexuality and sensuality is who you are. Just own it. And Mm -hmm. from that moment on, it just changed. And suddenly I go dance and I'll smile and look at people. I'm like, I don't care if they think I'm flirting. Like it's just exuding just joy and like whatever my essence is in that moment. I'm like, that's okay. But it took, I was 33 when that happened. I'm 35 now and I was about 33. I was like, dang, I didn't even know I was still doing that. 
Don't you feel like too, this has been my experience in a similar way of, I want to be seen, but I'm so scared to be seen. So I'll like dress up and I'll do the thing, but then I'll hide at the same time. It's so fucking conflicting. You're like, what what do I want? (laughs) It's so funny and so true. Like I remember I was never the the person like back in my twenties to like dance up on tables or the stage, but it was like always off to the side hoping to be noticed. I was like, Kat, you girl, get it together. But that's classic 20s. Yeah. Oh God. Yes. Aren't you glad you're in your thirties now? I'm actually looking forward to 40 because I think I'll care less about dumb shit and I'll have less fucks to give. And I think I'm going to be so much happier. Yeah. No, thirties is, thirties is like the taste of probably what forties is like. Anytime like people are in their twenties, like when I talk to girls that are in their twenties, still, I was like, you have so much to look forward to. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. All right. So let's talk about your journey. Let's, let's take it back a little bit. You, you are so open about around your sexuality, about being yourself, about your truth. How did you, what is the journey looks like from the girl that had her eyes facing down to where you are today? Yeah. Wow. Um, all the things. So I was a top volleyball player in the country, recruited everywhere, ended up going to USC, co-captaining that team. We went to a final four. Um, and during that time, I also got really sick. And so my freshman year, I had mono for eight months and then I got better and I was in the best shape of my life, killing it. Um, and the soft, the summer between my sophomore and junior year, um, everything kind of fell apart. I lost feeling in my left leg. It went completely numb. It was dragging behind me. I couldn't stand up straight. I was like bent over at the waist all the time. I was in pain from head to toe, like deep, deep bone pain. I couldn't see straight anymore. Everything was blurry. Um, I had horrible brain frog, brain frog, brain fog. So I couldn't even think of words. Um, and obviously became very depressed and suicidal because no one knew what was going on. I saw a ton of doctors. No one could figure it out. Um, And I finally saw a rheumatologist and he had diagnosed me with fibromyalgia, which for people who don't know, that's kind of this umbrella term that doctors in Western medicine use anytime they have like this mystery illness that they don't know what to do. So it's this thing they can give you medication for. And so I was on painkillers and muscle relaxers and all of these, you know, different concoctions to try and numb out. And the doctor basically said, I'm really sorry, but there's nothing I can do for you. And this is going to be your life. And you have to, you have to retire from playing volleyball. And so at 19 years old, my entire world shattered my identity. I lost all my friends. I didn't know what I was doing. I was also incredibly ill. I had been you know, in bed, bedridden for months, not able to go to class. And it was just crazy. And I spent the next couple years uh, not playing volleyball and being a quote unquote regular student. And I kind of lost it a little bit. I was mixing all of the medications they gave me with alcohol. I was out partying. I was just trying to numb And I remember at 21, I just thought, I can't keep living like this. I had just gotten a job at ESPN after I graduated because I was working in television. And it was a huge deal, obviously. And I just thought, 
I am so young. Why is it that I'm medicated? Why is it that no one can figure out what's going on? And so I cold turkey went off of everything. And I started to look into holistic practices. And that's when I realized that food really is medicine. And so I became a vegan and vegetarian. I stopped drinking alcohol. And I just started to figure out like what it is that helped my body. And then I found paleo, which really helped. That was the game changer for me to get all of the inflammatory foods out. And then after that, I started working with different like spiritual healers. So um, I was doing Reiki and, you know, different things like that. And I started to see this mind-body connection. And then I met my functional medicine doctor and my Ayurvedic doctor. And they changed everything because they're the ones that sent me to shamans, to ayahuasca, to dealing with trauma, to understanding how trauma is stored in the body. And I finally understood that it wasn't something I was making up, that I had really bad anxiety and really bad stress. I was in a very toxic environment at work because I was working with all men in television. It's a dark, dark place. (laughs) Not very healthy for a young woman. And I just started to look at all these things and things started to make sense. I'm like, oh yeah, let me connect the dots here. And so I spent a year and a half with those doctors and I worked a lot uh, in plant medicine and quit my job and haven't had any symptoms since. So it's been remarkable getting to this point. Wow. Can I thank you? First of all, thank you for sharing that story and how devastatingly sad that must have been. And it's also insane for me to hear the story because I'm going to tell you now, I'm going to mirror back now my story in a very similar way. So I had a full ride to Villanova for softball. At 19, I was told that I needed a hip replacement. I had just worked my entire life right? Very similarly, I had just worked my entire life to get to, I'm sorry, I was told at 18, my freshman year, I got there, I started the pain. I was already in pain, but mind over matter, I was still able to play. But once I got to Villanova, the pain was getting pretty, pretty insane. They told Mm -hmm. me I needed a hip replacement at my freshman year. I was such a brat about it because I just couldn't accept that. I was like, I, I don't, I just walked out of the office. I'm like, you're wrong. Something, something very, uh, something very immature. I said something like that because I just couldn't, I was like, I'm sorry. I'm, I just spent my entire life getting here. I ended up getting, uh, I had a hip surgery that didn't do anything. My job coming out, I was throughout that kind of my four years there, the pain started getting so excruciatingly bad. Like I can't believe I was still pitching. Because then when I graduated, I had a job at the ESPN X Games. My God. I know, right? I'm like, wait a minute, your story. I got a job at the ESPN X Games. It was so physical, though, because it was in marketing for the X Games, for event marketing. And at this point, I remember I remember, I was like seven feet away from my door, my hotel room door. And I was crawling on the ground, just sobbing because I couldn't even make it to my door, like that level of pain. And I was like, okay, I don't know what to do. And I remember when I finally went to a hip surgeon, this was the time, by the time I was 22, I was like, I, my biggest fear at that point was that he was going to tell me I didn't need a hip replacement. And of course, that's not what happened. He looked at my x-ray and he's like, oh my God. He's like, not only do you need an x-ray, you're like, you must be in so much pain. And I just started like sobbing because I just had repressed all of like the emotion and the feeling like just so didn't do any healing. I would just was taking so I'm surprised I didn't get an ulcer from the amount of painkillers I was taking just to get through it. 
And it's crazy. Like now I'm, I actually want to talk to you probably more after this because I've just went off my, my very strong anti-inflammatory and I'm flaring up my knees, my joints a little bit. And I know it's holistic. I know it's mind. And I know the crutch is like, yeah, let me just go on like medication and then just do whatever I was doing. And it's so inspiring again to hear someone who is able to do the work and it really sounds like you were able to just do the work. And that's the thing that I keep reminding myself, Kat, like, are you meditating every day and seeing yourself sprinting? You doing enough right now? Because I've been trying to do diets, but wow, girl, I just listening to your story. I was like, oh my God, you're just like a sister from another mother. Like, <laughs> from a different I know. Experience. Um, wow. It's crazy. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I, it's such a, such a journey for everyone. And we all have our, you know, shadow side and our demons and the unconscious beliefs and patterns that it takes a long time to become aware of. And I think the other thing that I realized about myself is that so much of my identity was wrapped up in being sick. I didn't know who I was going to be without that. Mm -hmm. And I think I held on to being sick because it, made me feel important because people, I had to be the special one and I had to eat the special food and, Oh, Kelly can't go do this thing. And if I don't have those crutches or those things, then who am I? And with that freedom, what does that mean? Who do I get to become? And that I think for me was really scary. And that's a lot of what I had to work through to get to that point where I could release it all and realize that there's so much goodness waiting for me. I didn't have to hold on to all this other stuff. That's exactly where I'm thinking too, is like, what a part, what part of me is holding on to this? And that for me is like still very much I'm in the journey but again, like these are to me, it's just synchronistic again, because I didn't know what your story was with that is like, again, it's like that what it's energetic in so many ways. It's so energetic. And I, and that's the thing that I don't know that Western medicine alone talks about. I'm very all about uh, a mirroring of things. And I think there's a place for everything. But that's the thing that you don't hear. It's the body fixes the body. And I'm like, no. It doesn't. The mind fixes the body ultimately. And yes, you can help it along with the right foods and the things. But I feel like at the very top of that is the mind, the spirit, like that, the energy that you're like holding around that to then ultimately release it. Mm -hmm. Have you ever, since this is a psychedelic podcast, have you ever asked the mushrooms or asked ayahuasca what it is you're holding on to? God, no. Oh, girl, talk to them. I, they will I can't you. believe it. I can't believe I have to admit that I've never done that. No, I've I've done it in direction for my life, but actually not around healing. That's crazy. Oh that sounds like the lowest hanging fruit that I've never done. Wow. Thank you so much. I can't wait to trip. You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, for me, I just my experience with psychedelics and specifically mushrooms, because that's what I've spent the most time with, yeah. is that they just they cut through my own bullshit and they, they help me hear myself. Yeah. So although I do feel like I'm talking to something outside of me, I'm like, I'm talking to uncle mushroom. Um, it's really just me tapping into myself and I'm hearing my own answers that I am repressing or ignoring. And so I really try without, without being attached to outcome or what I want them to say, I'm just like, show me what I'm meant to see. And, and I ask them very specific questions around 
what am I holding on to? Or why is this bothering me? Or why does this hurt? And I always get the most incredible guidance, maybe not a specific answer, but it always guides me to what I am meant to see in order to work with that thing. God. Yes, of course. That's, that's brilliant. And I, it, it, it tells me again, though, that this is very like illuminating for me in that the fact that I haven't asked that question reminds me of what you said about what are you holding on to about your identity? Because to me, that should have been obvious and Mm. it wasn't until just now. So I think it does like inner intertwine with a lot of those things. And again, like, yeah, I, I use mushrooms like that for everything else. But you know what too, I don't know if you feel this way, but I think that oftentimes you're not asking that question because you weren't ready for the answers yet. So maybe you've been spending the last however many months or years really making your toolbox super strong, creating a foundation of resources and self-awareness and knowledge so that when the day comes that you're ready to peel back that layer, you are ready to support yourself. Had you done that and asked that question a year ago, fuck if I know what's going to come up. Maybe you're not ready to handle that a year ago, but now because you've done the work and you've been with it so much longer and you have these tools, now you're ready to peel that back. Oh my God, I am. This is like the best therapy session ever. It's so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was literally last night, I was having a moment with my knees and because I know that I know the easy way out and I was wanting to just take it. And my team of guidance around me was like, sit down. I felt like I was getting like spirit talking to basically like you need to center yourself. And I just, I felt a lot better going to bed and it's just, again, you're, you're the gift for me right now. So thank you. You're so welcome. So tell me a little bit about, so you've gone through, you, you healed yourself. How did then sexual expression, speaking your mind, becoming the Kelly we see today, how does she emerge through this? Yeah. So when I was working in television, for me, I, I always just felt like I was the hot chick on TV that the guys were happy to talk to. And I would kind of appease everyone and do what I was told. And, and I had my whole identity wrapped up in that. And that's how I got attention and validation. And I remember I had a colleague who kind of called me out in the most loving way, like an uncle would. And he asked me why I was wearing this dress one time at, at Dodger stadium. And I sat with that for about a week and I realized that everything I thought about myself was my appearance. So I spent so much time with my wardrobe and my hair and and my makeup. And after that, I really started to reevaluate what is it that I want in life? Who am I? What do I have to offer? And that kind of set me on this path of asking for more. And I changed my hair. I changed my wardrobe. I really became a new version of myself at 27 years old, 28. That's and the then age. I took that. that yeah. The and then that I, a big switch right there in 27, 28. Yeah. And then I took that into my relationship and I started noticing where I wasn't having my needs met there and where I wasn't speaking up for, for myself and where so often I had felt like I was just a vessel for men's pleasure. So that was reflected not only in my career and then it's reflected in my relationship. And I'm just kind of here just doing what I'm told to do and not experiencing pleasure and joy and freedom and ecstasy and all this stuff that I'm starting to hear about because I'm, you know, reading books for the first time and listening <laughs> yeah, to podcasts. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. what is a pleasure practice? <laughs> what the fuck is that? And it just kind of opened my eyes to other possibilities. And so I ended up leaving that relationship 
because I just knew that there had to be more and I wanted to explore. And shortly thereafter, I met my now fiance. So it was about two and a half years ago. And he and I have really been on this incredible self-discovery journey together. And he has opened my eyes so much to pleasure and feeling what you want to feel and asking for what you want. And so I learned a lot about that early on in our relationship. And at the same time, I started to realize that I was interested in women. Mm-hmm. And so I, I started to tell him, okay, I'm having these desires. I'm having these feelings. I don't know what to do with them. Um, and so we would just be in constant conversation around it. And I think all of that has led me to a point where I realized that I get to ask for what I want and I get to own my orgasms and I get to experience pleasure and I get to be present in the moment and really melt into being with whoever I'm with, whether that's with Connor, with another woman in Connor, whatever it is. And the sexuality piece has brought me to a point where I realize it's all about intimacy. Yeah. It's like penis and vagina is awesome. Like hooking up with girls is awesome. But really for me, it's been about intimacy and sexuality was, and, and spirituality was really sort of the gateway for me to experience more intimacy in my life, which is really what I think we are all craving more of. And I always talk about what it feels like to be held by another woman. It's so beautiful and so freeing and it healed all of my wounding with women in relationships as a young girl and never feeling good enough and never feeling like I fit in and to have someone hold you and to see you when you're literally naked and you're really vulnerable. I just felt this, this connection with myself and connection with other women that was so healing. And then I felt more intimacy in my relationship because of the communication and the vulnerability of really asking for what we want and sharing desires that are taboo and unacceptable to a lot of people. So I'm at this point where everything sort of merged and I feel so much freer to be myself and to express myself and to not be so judgmental of myself or others and just allow us all to be who we are and have what we want and enjoy that. Wow, that is so beautifully said. And just, I think you hit it right on the head with intimacy. And the thing is, I'm going to take it back to what you were saying with being a vessel for men and having sex in my 20s really felt like that for me as well. And I remember it was so much of a performance and not, not for them, but for me, like I wanted to be the best and I wanted to portray a certain, I don't know what I saw in porn and I wanted to be their fantasy. And I wouldn't even be thinking of my own pleasure. I would go away oftentimes. I don't think I really even had true like orgasms having sex. I did orally, but like from having sex until really in my thirties, because I was never connected to myself. It had nothing to do with the men. So if anybody's listening to this, who's been with me in twenties, I was just disconnected from myself because I was so aware of them. And I wasn't at all just sinking into what I wanted, or I wasn't willing to say what I what I wanted them to do because I didn't want to offend them. And, you know, I'm just very mindful of other people's feelings. And I didn't know in my twenties that there's nothing wrong. How, how is anybody going to read your mind to tell you what you like? Every woman is different. Like every man is different. If we, if we were told that, but I think, sure. And there's insecurity in there too. And if you're going to be with someone that's insecure around it, then you 
kind of know that you shouldn't be sleeping with that person anyway if you're not in a place where you can be like, it's not about you. You you don't know that what I need. And it really was into that understanding myself and my own worth started to really tie into pleasure. And I started to do a Tantra program actually last year. And that was like the full catalyst of really understanding that when I'm actually in true pleasure, how much more pleasurable it is for my partners, how much more pleasurable, how much they notice true pleasure, what it sounds like, not worrying about what the, I don't want to say it's, look, I, I was still into it, but like, I'm not aware then I'm just like sounding the way I sound in pleasure and I'm moving the way I want to move to create an orgasm for me and realizing how much more not only effective for me because I'm actually literally having coming, <laughs> but how much hotter it is for them. And that is a lesson that that's the journey of coming into your thirties too. Yes. I'm sure there's women in their twenties that are there, but I know a lot that aren't, we're very, we're self, we're, we're self-conscious beings when we're younger. A lot of us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you make such great points. It's the deeper we are intimate with ourselves, knowing ourselves, asking for what we want and in our own pleasure, that energy really radiates and that attracts more of that. And that also gives other people permission to be in their pleasure. I remember I had been like begging Connor to tie me up our whole relationship and he wouldn't do it. <laughs> and I was so frustrated. And so one night we were having a threesome and fucking he ties us up. And I was like, <laughs> bro. So afterwards we have a conversation. I wasn't mad. I was very happy, but I was like, Hey, I'm just curious. Like I've been asking you to do some of the things you're doing now when it's someone else is with us for a really long time. And you have been so hesitant and now you're doing all these things. And he was like, it's because you have really allowed yourself to feel what you want to feel. And you have gotten more curious and you have tried things that have scared you. And he's like, I feel like I can try the things that scare me now too. Oh wow! And I was like, oh my God, I thought you were just being a dick and wouldn't tie me up. But he was like <laughs> genuinely nervous because he's never done a lot of this stuff with a partner. Yeah. And he he also like me had body shame and sex shame in his life. And so it was something he had been grappling with and just not verbalizing. And so it was like, we were both in this kind of playground of trying new things and being open to being nervous, but go, doing it anyway. And he was like, yeah, I feel like I can do that too, because you did it. And I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. That's beautiful. But that comes down like I get communication. And I know we, yes. everyone says like communication, but I'm like, but really, and truly, yeah. It, it is like the fundamental, not just for your relationship, for you guys to get along, but in the bedroom to, and to keep it sexy, to keep it hot, mm -hmm. you need to be talking and talking about those things. And, you know, like that's what it stimulates the mind as well. And it also it, it's also like a, a spiritual thing, too, because the more you can connect with yourself deeply that is a spiritual exercise and them deeply and to be able to see them fully for who they are. That is the perfect marrying of sexuality and spirituality and the celebration of one another of not just, um, like you said, a penis and a vagina, that's objects. That's, that's an object. But when you have intimacy, you know, sex is divine. 
it, it, sh- it I never had divine sex until now. And that doesn't mean it has to be uh, necessarily with, in my, in my eyes, with like your, let's call it divine counterpart or whatever, but it is to me the recognition of the specialness of the person that you're sleeping with, even if it is, it could be just for one night, but to recognize the divine being that they are and not objectify it and ex- and experience that fully to me is how we can really get past a lot of this hurt that we see in our world right now, which is like, you don't have to be with someone to love someone that night to really love, like you don't have to be in love with them, but love them. Mm-hmm. This is a human being in front of you. Like, and this has just been an on a journey for me too, because I, I didn't come from that. That was taught through a lot of self-exploration. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so true. And something that Connor and I have talked a lot about lately is how can we both get what we want out of all these different types of scenarios in life? Okay. Because we're very different people and we have very different desires and needs. And so how can we support one another in having our needs met and really see that person as a sovereign being? Yes, we're a couple and yes, we do so much together and we have a beautiful life together. And we're still individuals on our own paths, growing and learning. And how can we love someone in supporting them to do what makes them feel good, even if that's not the thing that gets us going. And I think that's such an important conversation to have because I think we, we lose ourselves and it's like, well, you don't want it the way I want it. So we're not doing this. And it's like, well, how can we check all the boxes and do all the things and have a lot of fun? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Let's, uh, let's kind of take this into the psychedelic realm. So love it. It sounds like, tell me about your relationship with psychedelics. I know there's Obviously, it's been a huge path for you on the healing side of things. What it's it's dated back since you were in your early twenties and on the way through. No, so my first uh, psychedelic experience was ayahuasca mm-hmm. two years ago. Uh, okay. So I was thirty-one, um, and I mean, I just went all in. I was like, I don't know shit about any of this, but ayahuasca is calling my name, and I had done a bit of work myself. And I felt like I just kept kind of walking into a wall. I'm like, I'm hitting my head against this wall. I know there's something on the other side. I know I'm missing something like something is just not in my view here. And so I went and did my first ayahuasca ceremony and it was so magical. And that's when I really saw so many things that I had never allowed myself to see. Mm -hmm. And for me, a lot of it was experiencing birth trauma and my mom not wanting to have kids and them taking me away from her um, because we were both really sick when I was born. So they wouldn't let me be in the room with her. Just all these different things um, that had shaped the woman that I am. I saw a lot of things with the disconnection with my body. And so one night it was all just connecting with my body and not, it was orgasmic pleasure, but not sexual. It was just opening my hips. It was like something unlocked in my hips. And I remember just moving them for the first time. And I, I was just being opened and unlocked. And I started to just see more of myself. And so that's what really kind of opened me up to this whole world. And I did mushrooms for the first time about a month or six weeks later with Connor. Um, And that was such a beautiful healing experience. We were out in the desert for six hours walking around and I was just seeing things so differently. And I was, I was feeling things and releasing them. 
and having a lot of awarenesses. And then I did ayahuasca again. Shortly thereafter, we went to a retreat together that he was hosting. And that was incredibly powerful Connor to do it with it? him. Yeah. Oh, wow. well, he wasn't facilitating, but oh, okay. he took everyone down to cool. Soltara in Costa Rica. Um, yeah. And so that was so transformative being in the room with him. Um, and so I've just had all of these really transformative experiences where I just found more of myself and I felt more at peace with myself. I got, I kind of describe it the way it looks to me is it felt like I was a puzzle piece, but I was missing some of the pieces. Mm -hmm. And so I never made sense to myself. And then when I started doing ayahuasca and mushrooms, it was like the pieces started to fall into place. And so much of my life made sense and why I am the way I am and decision-making and all of that. And so it's been, it's been a beautiful ride. Um, I haven't done ayahuasca since then. And I haven't felt the need. I did a lot in a short period of time and it takes time to integrate as you know. Yeah. Um, But for me, I've done some, some bigger mushroom journeys um, with Connor. And then other than that, it's mostly microdosing. I have, I can take a very small amount and just blast off and have the most intense experience, which is, yeah, (laughs) so, so amazing. Um, So I usually microdose. um, And then I also, we both microdose LSD. Mm -hmm. I've never done a full, um, I don't even know what it's called, a full hit of LSD. Hit or tab. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've only ever microdosed, but for me, it's, it just clears out the bullshit really quick and I'm very focused and I'm very productive. Um, and so I really enjoy that, but yeah, it's just been, everything I've done has just brought me closer to myself and has gotten rid of my, the noise and the chaos around me so that I can hear myself more clearly. Beautiful. I love to hear that. I love, and, and look, ayahuasca is when you get the message, you don't need to keep going back. And it's also, Look, I, what I love about mushrooms is the fact that they can be used in so many different contexts and can be fun and bonding and beautiful. And ayahuasca is just a different type of experience, right? Where you are, it's, 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 in, it's yourself, right? Where, or where a mushroom trip is oftentimes a really fun shared experience. Not to say that you're not with others, obviously, in an ayahuasca circle, but it's not about y'all like talking and bonding like in the middle of your no. experience. That's cool. And I, I have the, I just did an episode about microdosing and, and both LSD and mushrooms and said the exact same thing. And I would say LSD on a, on a full hit scale is that kind of, I wouldn't say focus is the word for it, but it's more, it's not as like emotional, right? Like it is more, it is more of like externally driven. Like that's why it's a festival drug, you know, in a lot of ways, it's why people go to festivals oftentimes and take LSD as opposed to mushrooms, which I don't think it's even just the length of time, but just the, the feeling, you know, it, mushrooms tend to be a little bit more introspective where you, it's more outwardly expressed on LSD. Have you and Connor, okay, actually, before I get into that question, do you feel that I, that psychedelics in, in a way has impacted your confidence in any way? Yeah. Yeah, because it's helped me trust myself more. I'm someone who has always been super codependent and I trust everyone more than myself. I'm like, you must know more and you've done this. So I'm going to trust you. And I put people on pedestals Yeah, and I kept betraying myself because of that. And so for me, I mean, psychedelics have made me far more trusting of myself and so much more willing to ask myself questions and come back within 
then go to an external source to validate it or tell me what to do. And when you trust yourself, I believe you're so much more confident because you just carry yourself differently. There's this just internal knowing and barometer that you have that I don't think when you are lacking confidence, you're not trusting yourself. You, it kind of is just like haywire within you. It's just chaotic. Um, so yeah, I think I'm a far more confident person sexually, the way I run my business, the way I interact with my friends and colleagues. Um, there's just like a, this just internal knowing and trust within myself that, that holds me steady and keeps me really grounded. Yeah. I love that word knowing it's, it's true. And, and it reminds me, you said you were, it was like the puzzle pieces that you were missing because if you, the more, the more, you know, yourself, the more confident, obviously we get. And that's been my experience too, is the more I'm able to explore the, the light and the shadows and know what makes me tick and know all those things. It allows me to, like you said, trust myself, show up in the world differently and for sure has opened up my sexual it really was, they think, the catalyst that combined sexuality and spirituality for me because those two things were separate. And I just didn't know any other way. And now that there is like this celebration of pleasure and understanding like Kundalini energy and that, and, and really what Tantra even showed me around that feeling of just being satisfied right? Mm -hmm. And just being kind of in that orgasmic bliss and how you feel that on people really did also kind of stem from, it's just, you know what it is? A willingness to see yourself very fully again, including sexually, because that's another thing that I think a lot of people don't want to. There's a lot of shame, unfortunately, like around certain desires that they're bad and therefore they're not expressed. And then therefore we get a, a either repressed version of ourselves or just one that's not fully tapped into our own power. Yes. Have you guys been intimate on a psychedelic before? So I don't think we, oh, we have had sex one time on mushrooms. How was that? Um, it was amazing. It was so connected and so like we were inside of each other, which was so powerful. But for me, what's really interesting is, would you consider weed a psychedelic? No, but weed and sex is bomb. So (laughs) I have psychedelic experiences on weed all the time. Well, if you smoke a lot, it can, it can go there. It's not considered a psychedelic, but you can definitely push weed to a psychedelic state. Yeah. And I don't have to have very much, but what happened after I did ayahuasca and then, um, microdosing mushrooms a lot. I have experiences like I'm on mushrooms and ayahuasca when I smoke. Wow. Yes. And I do. I've talked to a few other people about this and they have had similar experiences and it's because the plants, because ayahuasca and mushrooms are plant medicine, um, the way I work with them and the plants are inside of you. So there's this constant working with your body and your psyche and this unlocking. And so I, I feel that when I smoke weed or have an edible, whatever it is, they almost work with the mushrooms and ayahuasca within me. And so I, I will see Connor's face morphine. Um, I will see, I will like have experiences where I'm in multiple dimensions with him and multiple parts of our lives at the same time. Like I'm having sex with him now at 33, but I'm also having sex with him when we're 60. And I see both versions of him 
Um, I see like jaguars walking around us. Wild. Oh my god! I want to get into your sexual experience and just see what that looks like. (laughs) Right? It's like matrix into your head. Be like, what is seeing a jaguar like when you're making love to your partner? (laughs) Yeah, and it's this like melding of our souls, and it's just so it blows my mind. It's it doesn't feel real. It feels ethereal. It feels so much bigger than us. Wow. I'm envious. That sounds like an incredible experience. I've experienced, um, my, my relationship with weed has changed a lot is particularly with this show. I actually didn't smoke a lot of weed because this was around a time where I was, my ego mind was nonstop all the time, would not give it a rest. Not that it still hasn't, but there's a, it's a different, I talk to it differently. It's got, I've got a different relationship now with my ego, uh, side of me. And so before it used, I didn't know how to, my mind was already extremely active. Then weed would just slow me down, but my brain was going a mile a minute. So it was not comfortable for me. But recently and through honestly, this trip on this experience, I started smoking weed probably about a month ago again. And I've been having some of my most powerful experiences now, even like I've done mushrooms in it and my mushroom experience is different, but like on a very spiritual level, I'm having like experiences of almost like a, like a oneness. Like I can almost hear like another voice, like come in and is starting to, it was weird, like being at the beach and I can almost feel like a voice that was like, I could hear other people. I was like in this crazy meditation. I was like locked. It was very, it was very unusual. Like I almost couldn't move my body. It was almost like, felt like an energetic force was like holding me very still. And I was like, okay. And it was almost like teaching me that the same mind that was talking to me was the same mind in everyone. And it was like communicating. And like, you hear that on a psychedelic experience, people experiencing that, the idea of like the mind of God, that we're all in the mind of God, that we're part of this larger cell in it. And it, I've only actually experienced that though on cannabis recently, where it's almost like I'm being like taught around this and it's it's been a very beautiful and wild experience i'm really grateful because obviously cannabis is a lot more accessible than me just like (laughs) tripping all the time which i'm trying not to do so (laughs) no i feel that it's it's so powerful and i think everyone has to find what works for them and what unlocks different parts of yourself i i have and i'm sure you get this because your show is this but people asking me for advice or what should i do or how do i do this and i'm like my whole thing has been trial and error. I try something and I, does it feel good? Does it feel expansive? Is this something that feels like it's for me? I really, I ask the mushrooms how much to take, when to do them. We are in constant conversation. Ayahuasca and I speak. Um, weed is just such a, such a powerful, um, kind of support system in so many ways. It's like my buddy that we hang out and it does so much for me. It unlocks so much. So I think everyone has to find whatever unlocks you and brings you back to yourself. If you're using it as an escape mechanism or as a way to not be here, I think that you don't have to do that. I think oftentimes we get confused. We think psychedelics take us somewhere else they can take you somewhere else while also being with yourself yeah. and in your body and embodied and present. Yeah. That's the powerful aspect of it is yeah. you can have both and then you can build the bridge so that you connect that for yourself. Yeah. It's all about building the bridge because I think a lot of people will just have a, 
a psychedelic like whoa experience and there's no bridge building and therefore then that experience is a little bit lost then on the integration aspect of of what that is and kind of what the original intent is like oh, i'm just gonna see some cool shit like which is fine but you can see some cool shit and uh build the bridge like you're saying and like and another great point like you said around it being a crutch i notice this even with weed a lot that Obviously, I could smoke every day if I wanted, but I don't. And, I, and I'm and i really conscious around that because there is an aspect of my personality that likes to be out of my sober state. I don't drink anymore. So there's a just a part of me that likes, like, I've always associated fun with a buzz. Okay? That whether that's conditioning or not, that's just kind of what I did. And so for me, like, it's always been around, all right, Kat, like, treat yourself, but don't make this habitual. Don't make anything habitual. I'm, that's been like my biggest practice lately is uh, getting very comfortable not needing anything is the toughest part. Even with sugar and things and like sweets, I've noticed like what part of me is acting habitually? Because if I'm acting habitually, then I'm not acting consciously. Yeah. It's, always, it's always with conscious decisions. Not to say like some people can have cannabis every day and there's, it's no problem, but just have awareness around why. Is it just are you just grabbing it because like it's like feels good and like whatever and you want to like yeah take yourself out of I don't know the the dense the denseness of our world and just kind of take you into like another land or are you really using it consciously? Yeah, I love that so much. Yeah, Kelly, I've had such a blast talking to you today. Talking about psychedelics and sex, all my favorite subjects. Yes. It's been wonderful. Where can people check you out? I know you've got a community online. You've got your own podcast. How can people continue to hang out with you? Oh, thank you for having me, Kat. Yeah, people can find me. Uh, my website is kellytenant.com. My show is The Kelly Show. I'm on Instagram at Kelly M. Tennant and happy to chat with people in the DMs or email, whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm so happy to be here with you. This was so fun. Thank awesome. you. Thank you so much. And for everyone, as always, Trip on this.